turn it back on. Hi! <laughs> I'm doing okay. our signature jazz hands. Shannon Thompson Jones. My name is Suzanne Evans Boyd, and I am a codependent. <laughs> and my name is Shannon Thompson Jones, and I am a codependent. Ooh, okay, feels this is good a to topic. Admit it, doesn't it? I know this is a topic that I have been dealing with my entire life. Yeah. I didn't even know what codependent was. In fact, I was talking to some friends today, much younger friends, <laughs> and I said. Um, are you guys codependent? And they're like, no, we're not codependent. We don't depend on anyone else. And I'm like, that's, that's a not trait. what it means. <laughs> right. That's a trait. If right. you don't depend on anyone, that's a trait. Right. It's a very, I call it a misnomer. I feel like it's named wrong. It's named wrong. I hate that word, codependent. Yeah. It's not named properly. It's not named properly. So code, So here's the definition of codependency for those of you like really confused right now. So the definition of codependency as established by Melody Beatty, who's the god in this She's department. Amazing. She's amazing. Not picking on you for naming it wrong, Melody. <laughs> we'll live with the name. But codependent no more, a set of traits and characteristics that develop as a result of living with addiction. We've all modified that definition to be a set of traits and characteristics that develop as a result of living with dysfunction. Mm -hmm. That includes the rest of the United States. Yes. So some people where classic codependency comes from is if you're raised with the alcoholic father, maybe gets drunk every Friday night and does a big scene, you will develop traits and characteristics to survive living with an addict. But then you look at the rest of the world, how many of us grew up in dysfunction? Everyone. All of us. Right. And you know what, I, I I always see codependency as being, I, I feel like people pleasers are, are classic codependents. That is classic codependency. The codependency has four, well, if you buy the book, there's maybe eight categories, this but there's the four main categories that I, when I used to work with in addiction that I would teach. Control, this mm -hmm. is what you classically see, control, caretaking, Denial, which means we minimize the problem, we turn the volume down, we believe we can fix the problem, change the person, right? And then low self-esteem or self-esteem traits. So when you look at, these are four categories of traits. And when you buy the book, it's amazing. There's like 20 or 30 traits yeah. for each one. So we thought we would share kind of what our traits were and what our experience with codependency to kind of shed some light because I think we covered it rather well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing I think of as codependent is too, a classic codependent behavior is when you do something just to make someone else happy, but you're sacrificing your own happiness in doing so. That is the reason we treat codependency in this country. That is the reason I'm a therapist that works with codependency because what happens is you have these set of traits and characteristics and what ends up happening is you self-sacrifice, mm -hmm. self-sabotage, and you get miserable. Miserable. Yeah. And then you go into a therapist and you go, I don't know what's wrong with me. I hate my husband. I hate my children. I hate everyone. Probably you're a full-blown codependent who's put everyone first. Mm -hmm. You're not even on the list. You've self-sacrificed. You're burnout, exhausted, and you hate everyone. Yeah. And that's where it lands at the end. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, uh, first of all, Melody, I have every Melody 
Melody Beatty Fox. <laughs> she doesn't have enough hands for all the books she has. I don't. Now, what I love about Melody Beatty is she's so good at, at, at putting it in simple terms. And she's also really good at these daily meditations, the language of letting go. Which awesome. I read a really interesting thing just recently out of this Melody Beatty book about she tells the story of a gerbil and how this gerbil was, a, was the pet for this family. They let the gerbil, the, the gerbil got out of its cage. Okay. okay? And so they were crazy for right. months trying to catch. Fine. This gerbil, gerbil. Every time the gerbil would scamper around, they would stop what they're doing and follow and chase the gerbil. Okay, and so one day she said to herself, "I'm not doing this anymore. I'm making myself crazy, crazy. over this gerbil." And she had feelings for the gerbil. She didn't want the gerbil to be to hurt die. or to die. Yeah. So she finally said, I have to let go and I just have to detach myself from the gerbil. She's sitting on the couch one day. She sees the gerbil run by. She doesn't move. The gerbil comes back and like stops and looks at her. And the gerbil eventually, because she wasn't reacting, came up to her and she put the gerbil back in its cage and it's been living with him ever since. But Literally the most perfect analogy for codependency. Right. Yes. We chase, and chase we control, we micromanage, chase. we drive ourselves crazy trying to fix it, change it, modify it, change other people's behavior. The moral to the story, who, how can we, can we change other people's behavior? No. No, never. We can only change us. Yeah. So if you sit still... Yeah. It'll come to you. So I have lived through this in many different relationships in my life, but I will tell you one of the most profound and what really changed things for me was my brother. Um, you know, my brother has lived with addiction pretty much his entire life. Yeah. And um, so my mom was dealing with it and he went through several different rehabs. And it, at some point it got to my mom so badly that I thought mm. she really was going to have just a breakdown. Sure. Um, it was yeah. so, so hard on her. So I, Suzanne the Fixer, <laughs> was like, dun, 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 wearing the white hat, I'm going to come in and take care of the situation. So I brought him here to South Florida oh, and wow. said, I'm going to fix this problem. Mm, wow. And let me tell you, it was two years of complete and utter ruining my life yeah. because I was so involved in his life mm -hmm. and trying to fix him that it ruined my life yeah I mean and it literally. was literally ruined my life I mean I remember one story where he called me so upset hysterically mm -hmm. crying and said he felt like he should just end his life and it was five minutes before the newscast was gonna I five minutes before I was supposed oh to be God. on air and I ran out of that newsroom and said I'm sorry I can't do it. I gotta. I gotta go rescue my brother. And I, literally, I mean, I did. I left. I dropped everything for him. Oh and goodness. it. It was. Um, it was a real eye opener. It was a real eye opener. And that's how I found Melody Beatty. And really, and I, I look back on other incidents in my life where I was always trying to change or fix or control or rescue or save or whatever. Right. And all you do is you end up you know, hurting yourself in the process. So well, I, I eventually just said, I have to step away from this situation, mm -hmm. you know, but it was a learning, a big. That's profound. I mean, you had a profound teacher. Yes. And you were all the way. But in. it was a lesson that I obviously needed to learn because yeah. I was going to continue to be this person that had to control every aspect of her life and everyone yeah. in it. And obviously that doesn't work. 
Well, and then, so did you, question for you, did you then find after that perfect training in mm-hmm. codependency that you went on to choose relationships with men that were not quite what you, what was best for you, yes. where you self-sacrificed, attempted yes. to change, change, attempted to fix, yes. helped encourage them and get them on the right path right. only to find that you were self-sacrificing. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Okay, just checking. Because yeah. that's what we do. <laughs> right. No, and I love it. And so my story began very similarly. Mm-hmm. Um, my whole family's from the Midwest, and so I've recently learned there's nothing else to do in Ohio but drink. <laughs> so everyone in my family did and does, and some people are sober now, but basically I was born to an alcoholic mom, an alcoholic dad, an alcoholic grandmother. My alco- uh, my grandfather died of cirrhosis of the liver when I was about 10 or 12. Mm-hmm. Um, all of my cousins, uh, you know, not all of my cousins, but my, um, my aunt, um, you know, had an addiction some cousins battled addiction that kind of thing and so at the end of the day I was surrounded by the disease at like two years old so I was running around fixing and caretaking and doing all that with everyone and so at 10 my mom and dad divorced and my grandmother was kind enough to move in with us and got drunk every night so I got to trade I was like whoo good news don't have to trade you know I get to trade a drunk for a drunk so nothing changes so this is great and my mom actually at that point went into AA so she went to AA. My grandmother came down and filled in for the for the drunk dad spot, mm-hmm. and was drunk every night. And but my mom at that point said, you know, we're going to be a healthy family. And so by ten years old, I had codependency down pat. And so my thing was to rescue, save, fix. I would clean up. You know, my favorite story is that. When I was about seven years old, my parents had a party. They used to have lots of parties. They had lots of friends that were all alcoholics because that's who you hang with mm-hmm. when you're an alcoholic. And their their friends all had kids. So there was three of us little girls, one child from each, you know, three little girls. And we would be playing Barbies in the bedroom. Actually, I used to tease that we'd be playing, paying the bills in the bedroom because somebody <laughs> had to do it. Right. And they were actually under a tent in the dining room. They had created a tent. I'm not kidding. This is not a made-up story. They created a tent under the dining room table. And they were, um, you know, they were partying and drinking and whatever. And we didn't know what they were doing or whatever. And then later my mom came in and there had been an argument and a fight. And and she went off to bed. Dad had gone wherever. And us three little girls got up and we cleaned the entire house. There was a plant that was used as a sword and there was dirt everywhere. One person just grabbed the vacuum. The other grabbed the Windex. And the other person loaded the dishwasher and picked up all the garbage. And so in the morning when my mom woke up, if she had a moment. was clean. It was perfect. We rescued you, mom. Right. And so she woke up and it was like, hey, do we have that bottle of rum? Bring it on over and let's continue the party. So it was fascinating. That seven years old, I knew how to clean up someone else's mess. mess. And so then I went on to pick lots and lots of people that were a little messy Mm -hmm. throughout my life and try to clean them up or that weren't good to me or that didn't know how to treat me or didn't know how to value me or didn't know how to love me and then try to make them love me and try to clean up and make it better and and so you know that was a very painful journey so you know getting into recovery from codependency and therapy and all that and working on taking care of myself was profound you know I, I think one of the biggest things for me that I and I still struggle with this I mean I listen Every single day, every single night, I read this book to remind myself, like Suzanne, you have to take care of yourself. You have to look for yourself first and and self-care. Self-care is so important. I think that is probably the number one thing that I would tell people if they are struggling with codependency. 
you have to really look at your life and how you can take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, and what does that look like? For me, I, I don't really understand this whole detachment thing. That was very difficult for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand what it meant to detach. And I think it was probably easier for me, for my brother, because he's not my son. Right. But for my mom, um, I think she still struggles with detaching mm -hmm. from that situation, so you hard. know, and also I lost, we, you know, my brother died when I was, uh, I had another brother who died when I was much younger. And so I think for my mom, it's always been, I can't lose another son. Mm. So, I mean, is there, is there advice on, I mean, especially when you're dealing with a child, like detaching from that sort of stuff, it's so hard. Well, you hit the nail on the head, Suzanne. I love what you just said about self-care because I think when we think about detaching, we think about, again, what am I going to do with them? Right, right. Right? How do I detach myself from them? From them. Right. How do I, and so it's what's so fascinating. I, when I work with people, I take a piece of paper mm -hmm. and I draw a pie, a circle, right? That's a pie. And I break it into eight slices and then I put in each slice relationship like boyfriend girlfriend mm -hmm. significant other work hobbies spirituality slash religion mm -hmm. exercise um, social friendship outings right um, what's the last category I always food the last category. <laughs> just kidding fun you know fun, um, right. you know something something along those lines but right. you write out all eight of those okay mm -hmm. then it so you can be mindful and then you write those on a paper like a, do categories so like social and then put down what you are going to do every week for yourself that's social. I can tell you right now, I have lunch with my Jojo every Thursday. Love you, Jojo. <laughs> right? I used to go dancing every week. Um, haven't in a long time, but I used to go dancing every week with two of my girlfriends. So I had a lot in that social category. Zumba, whatever. Maybe that would be actually exercise would be Zumba three days a week. Then the category of spirituality, it might be meditation. Or it might be attending a church that I am drawn to or going to the beach and connecting. So you look at each category and then you make sure you have something under each weekly yoga three times a week or yo you know, I know that's a big one for you, big. but you identify and then relationship with your partner is one of the eight. Yeah. When you're codependent, it's eight out of eight. Yeah. It it's is. eight out of eight. Or when you're That's codependent you with your children, mm -hmm. they are everything. Mm -hmm. You don't do anything for yourself. You don't have... So that is so that is how we detach. Yeah, and we it doesn't have to be addiction issues. I mean, just because your mm -hmm. loved one, you know, it's it, it doesn't have to be addiction issues. I, I just want to clarify that. I right. mean, it can be... Um, it can be anything. It can be yeah. you just giving too much and not not remembering that you have to take care of yourself. Well, codependency, you know, is often about attaching yourself to an individual that is either struggling with an addiction or something, mm -hmm. or not emotionally available. available. It can be a narcissist, a borderline personality, difficult personality problems. It can be somebody who doesn't love. It can be somebody who's a workaholic and has no time for you. Gosh, this is such a common theme, right? That we attach ourselves to somebody. We have a great time when we're with them. Well, when do you see them? I see them every 14 days. Right. Really? Like that's what they have for you. They have mm -hmm. an hour every 14 days. And then what you do, the codependency is you try to please them. Mm -hmm. You try to focus on getting them to spend more time with you at the six month mark or the year mark. You're crying and begging like, I just don't understand why you're not spending time with me. Mm -hmm. The codependent part is that you 
saw who they were, you saw that they were a doctor, a lawyer, a CEO, an accountant, a traveling salesman who had no time for you, and then you decided to hang in there and talk them into loving you enough to spend time with you instead of saying, you are a great human being, you are way too busy, busy for me, and I'm a little needy, and yeah. I want to be with somebody four days a week and you have an hour. So God bless. I'm going to let you go. I'll wait for the person who, you know, works a normal nine to five and we can have our evenings and our weekends together. And you're going to find somebody maybe who's another professional in your community who works 80 hours a week and you guys will be a good match. And that's that. But when you're codependent, no, you grab that and you try and to convince them, them right. and make yourself... And you fall in love with them and then you marry them. <laughs> and then you divorce them. <laughs> and then they start over again. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I think what we want to do is just give people the tools to really, you know, recognize whether you are codependent. And really, mm -hmm. if you think you are, you probably are. And, yes. and I would say... 90% of the people that I hang out with are codependent. I mean, yes. you know, I feel like it is a common problem, especially among women. Is it more common in women than it, men? I do believe it's more common in women than men because we are cultured mm -hmm. to be. I remember telling my daughter who was the older child, you know, watch your brother. Where's your brother? Check on your brother. Yeah. And, and I think even if the boy was older, I still would have been saying it to the girl because mm -hmm. there's this concept that women are nurturers. So we're kind of culturated to caretake. Yeah. I would like to, I think it would be interesting for our, for our viewers if I read just like three or four traits from each of the, do you yes. think that would be good? Yeah. Just to give you an idea because it's so important and really at the end of the day, like Suzanne said, I think most of us women mm -hmm. have some codependency traits. So the first category and what we find, what I've found in my um, process with this is that I tend to be real heavy in one or two categories mm -hmm. and a little lighter in Yeah, others. there's some in there that I just don't fit, but that's why it's so important to read, to really take a look at this book and Right. see you know even if you even if you are two of these categories or three of these categories you'll still find it helpful in yeah. your codependent so let me just give you a tickler just to get you curious caretaking codependents think and feel responsible for other people's feelings actions thoughts choices wants needs and well-being we actually feel responsible for mm -hmm. somebody else you that's a little hard to understand but let me operationalize it for you I don't want to hurt her feelings. I can't tell her that I don't want to go to lunch with her because I don't want to hurt her feelings. Right. So you're responsible for her or, feelings. Or, you know, at work, I have some of my younger coworkers, you know, a guy asks them out, they don't want to go out with him. So they just keep telling them that they're busy instead of saying, you know what, I'm really not interested. Right. Because really that's, you're, you need to be honest. honest. It's right. about telling the truth and being honest with what you feel. Right. And telling the other person how because you at feel. the end of the day, it's nobody's fault. It doesn't no. mean they're not an exceptional human being. There's no right. chemistry. They're right. not your type. There's right. a million things, but because you're worried about their, their feelings, feelings, you lie and you right. run and you and, and that makes sense. We feel anxiety, pity, and guilt when other people have a problem. Yeah. How many of you out there have done this where you literally you're walking your car to go to the grocery store, your neighbor tells you something, and you're spinning for the next hour over their marriage? Mm -hmm. Really? But we do. We spend hours spinning over, oh my goodness, what's going to happen to them? Yeah. So we're anxious over other people's problems. You know, this happened at work too. I'm, I'm <laughs> telling a lot of work stories, but one of our producers, she was supposed to leave for the day and she had a flight she had to catch. Mm -hmm. She was supposed to leave early. It was already on the schedule. Everyone knew she was leaving early. We had breaking news 
And she said, well, maybe I can't, maybe I shouldn't go because we have breaking news and I feel bad for all the other producers and what they're going to have to deal with. I said, that's crazy. I said, you have a flight to catch. You do not feel bad. We right. deal with breaking news all the, time. all the time. You go. That's what you do. You leave. You right. take care of take yourself. Take care of you. Right. Yes. But we get caught up taking care of other, other people. We feel compelled, almost forced, to help the person solve their problem mm -hmm. by offering unwanted advice, giving rapid fire solutions and suggestions, and trying to fix them. their problem. Yeah. yeah, and that's, I mean, that's one of the ways when I was working on my codependency, it's like, did they ask for your advice, Shannon? Or are you just telling them what they should do? Right. And you see this with people that are kind of codependent for years. They're angry because I told Suzanne what to do. Right. Did she? do it now no. <laughs> so they get bitter but you never asked for my help I right. just gave it to you unsolicited feel angry when their help isn't effective anticipate other people's needs I can if somebody does this in my office I jump up and turn off the air if they're like this <laughs> I jump up and turn on the air right. we're constantly anticipating yeah. so that's other caretaking. people are feeling yes. right that's caretaking low self-worth codependent people tend to come from troubled repressed or dysfunctional families they deny their family was troubled or repressed or dysfunctional, <laughs> right? So if you're sitting there going, that if wasn't you don't my family. say it, it didn't happen, right? <laughs> exactly. They blame themselves for everything. You can spot a codependent because they say sorry all day long. Yeah. All day long. I'm so sorry. I'm so yeah, sorry. I'm so, I'm so sorry. sorry. Yeah. Um, pick on themselves for everything, including the way they think, feel, look, act, and behave. So they're very self-critical. Mm -hmm. You can't give them a compliment. You can't give them a compliment. They will. I mean, they they will say, oh well. Yeah, but but you know they they'll, they'll they'll deflect deflect. But here's what I love about codependents: you can't give them a compliment, but don't you dare give them a criticism. Right? They will attack you. And so we're saying we're saying they, but what we're really saying is we. 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 <laughs> Just so, so you know, as a codependent, we've all we've lived through this. Well, and here's my example. So fun, right? So you you can't take a compliment, or if somebody says a compliment, I'm always like, oh, it wasn't me. You don't understand. I found it on sale, and it was a lucky thing. Right. So can't take a compliment, but then. If you say, like, say for in a marriage, you know, you you, you, do, you haven't really been doing that much with the kids. Oh, really? Let me give you my list of all the things I did this week. <laughs> because we're so defensive because we're always trying to be perfect. perfect. So we are so defensive if you pick on us. But then what happens is we're picking on ourselves all the time. Because when I leave, I'm going to go in the car and go, I haven't been spending enough time with the kids. Right. We beat the crap out of ourselves, right? right. It's, it's interesting. And then one more, um, get angry, defensive, and self-righteous and indignant when others blame or criticize us. Mm -hmm. Something codependents regularly do to themselves. themselves. So that's that. Um, the controlling. We, many codependents have this lived... This was me. Yes. We'll now talk about Suzanne. <laughs> this was me. This is my trait. Controlling. And it was mine too. It was mine too. I'm a right. recovering controller. Control yes. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I live a much, I live a really free life now. Yeah. But many codependents have lived through events with people that were out of control, causing them to show sorrow and disappointment. They became afraid to let other people be who they are and allow events to happen naturally. Mm -hmm. Growing up with addiction, mm -hmm. to let things happen naturally is terrifying. Yeah. So I will then micromanage everything around me mm -hmm. so that I can feel safe. Um, don't see or deal with their fear of loss of control. Think they know best 
how sh how things should turn out and how people should behave. This is the most difficult trait. Like mm -hmm. as a recovering codependent, I want to punch these people as soon as I see right. them. And I used to do it to everybody. Believe I have the best answer, answer. for you. Right. My way is the right way. Guess what, sister? Your way is one way. Right. There's a lot of different ways. But as codependents, we're so scared right. that we make sure that our way is the right way because mm -hmm. we're just terrified. Yeah, I was constantly on top of my brother, like oh. seeing, you know, what are, what are you doing right now? Well, what, what, you know, what, what are you doing over there? Are you going to your meetings? You know, right. and it's just like, gosh, Suzanne. Right. And what do you do? And then, <laughs> Leave the poor kid alone. Yeah. And then you were probably like, well, is that a good decision? I probably drove him to drink more. <laughs> right. And then you're yeah. on top of, and then you were probably like, well, was that a good decision? Like, what, right. is that what you should be doing? Right. Is that, do you think right. that's wise? Uh, right. We're so self-righteous. Oh, it's horrible. Um, and think uh, we try to control events and people through helplessness, guilt, mm -hmm. we just guilt you to death, coercion, threats, advice giving, manipulation, and domination. And eventually we fail in our efforts or provoke other people's anger. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is denial that I'll read. The book has tons. Yeah. Um, we ignore the problem and pretend it isn't happening. How many times have you been in a situation like, yeah. uh, it, you know, it only is on the weekends. Right. He only does that once in a while. It's not a big deal. It's, right. He didn't mean to, right? right? right. Um, we pretend the circumstances aren't as bad as they are. Believe me, he's not as bad as the last person I mm -hmm. dated. This is a be much better situation. Right. We tell ourselves things will be better tomorrow. We stay busy so we don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, busyaholics. Yes, busyaholics. right? Yes. We get confused, we get depressed, we get sick, we become workaholics, we spend money obsessively, compulsively, we overeat, we pretend the things aren't happening, we believe the lies. This is my favorite. We lie to ourselves yes. and then we wonder why we feel like we're going crazy. crazy. Yeah. Dropping the mic, y'all. <laughs> there it yeah. is. Because if you're a codependent, there are many days you feel crazy. crazy. I felt crazy. Yeah. I mean, there were so many days. And, you know, it's being a recovering codependent, um, it's a process, oh. you know. I mean, you can't just read a book and think, oh, my gosh, I'm better. Mm -hmm. You know, you really have to. I have to remind myself every single day yes. of um uh, that, that I have to take care of myself yeah. and not be so concerned about what other people think, mm -hmm. what other people do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's really just about taking care of me and what's right for me. Mm -hmm. And I think when you start to really move into that part of your life and really start to feel that and see that, it compounds and you, you start to make better choices for yourself. I do the same thing every night I lay in bed and I say, did I do my exercise today? Did mm -hmm. I drink enough water? Because for me, you know, this past year has been hard around self-care and really it has become critical to be in self-care. And so really going down the list. Here's, I'll leave you with three little fun ones to, to check yourself. Did they ask me? How many of us are running around doing a bunch of stuff nobody asked you to do? And you're volunteering for this and you're volunteering for that and you're being mm -hmm. the superhero PTA mom and you're burnt out and nobody even asked. Mm -hmm. you just, you're just doing it. So did they ask me? Can they do it themselves? Boy, this is a great one with kids. Why are you making that sandwich? They can make their own yes. sandwich. Why are you tying my, your shoes? My favorite thing to my kids is you have two legs. <laughs> yes. Can they right? do it themselves for right. your kids, for your, you know, for anybody in your life? Mm -hmm. Did they ask me, can they do it themselves? And then the most important, am I going to be resentful mm -hmm. if I do it? 
because that's really the key. You know that you're doing something codependently if you're angry that you didn't get appreciation, mm -hmm. that nobody thanked you. When I do something for someone, I check myself and say, if I never get a thank you back, Am I will I still okay be okay with, with it? Yeah. Yep. You know, the other interesting thing about codependence, and I found this in myself, is you start to take on the traits of that other person. Mm -hmm. So in my case, I started drinking more. Yes. And which was crazy. I look back at how much I was drinking during that period when I was so angry at my brother for drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like I was starting to take on the traits because yes. I was so, um, then I started to self-soothe and started yes. to take care of myself with alcohol, you yes. know? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I can, I drink and I still drink, but I definitely do not drinking nearly as much as I was drinking at that period of my life. And you really will start, to, I mean, if you really take a good look at yourself, mm -hmm. and I mean a hard good look at yourself, and say, what am I, you know, am I really, you know, am I really do, if you're honest with yourself. Well, here's, being a, here's how I yourself. would say, here's because yeah. I totally get what you're saying. Right. What happens is we become a chameleon because we want to fit with them, we want to blend with them. So with your brother, it's a little harder to share, but like in relationships, they're drinking, so I'm drinking to cope with their drinking. Right. They're, they're, they don't and have if to they're drinking that. all the time, it's like, oh, well, we're having a party. Right. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then they have a poor value system, and so you're just going along with it because it's just mm -hmm. easier to go along. So when you start compromising your value system right. and who you are to be with who you're being with, whether it's a friend or a relationship or sibling or whatever, you're in trouble. That's yes. codependency, the people pleasing. Mm -hmm. Let me just not rock the boat. Right. You know, and so you're not being true to yourself. That's a good way to put it. We could talk I was about like, this. I all couldn't day. put two words together. I was like, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> I got you, girl. <laughs> she right. saves me a lot. <laughs> like, um, okay, so if you have any questions about, I mean, we could talk. I really we could think do an we, hour on we this. could do two hours on codependency. <laughs> when, when we were trying to come up with this segment, she goes, well, what part of codependency do you want to talk about? And I said to her, well, um, I don't know. Let's talk about all of all it. All of it. And I was like, <laughs> she was like no. we don't have seven these hours. Are, these are just three books on codependency, and there are many more. So um, if you have an issue, get some of Melody Beatty's books. Yes. Um, Melody Beatty, she's amazing. Amazing. Um, and if you have any specific questions for Shannon, please leave a comment, and we'll try to answer, get them answered for you. And don't forget, if you have a show topic or a segment idea or dealing with any challenges in your life or need some advice, we're here to help. We're here to answer your questions. It's advice your friends won't, won't tell, tell you. you. <laughs> Have a great day. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.